0: Holy obedience is not a return to innocence, which doesn't exist anymore. It's instead, and for me, this is so hopeful, it's about what God does when innocence is lost.
1: Welcome to the Renovari Podcast, place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and today, with the help of our friend Lacey Borgo, we get to explore a very special book. It's titled, A Testament of Devotion, by Thomas Kelly. Thomas Kelly was a Quaker educator who passed away suddenly at age 47 in 1941. Nine days before his death, he wrote to a friend. I spent the last week of vacation writing in bare hope of publication on practical procedure and conduct for the self in living by and oriented toward the light within, both in private devotion and in public reaction to the world of men and events, seeing them in and through the light. It was this writing that would become the first three chapters of A Testament of Devotion. A Testament of Devotion is a gem of a book. Its depth and insight reminds me a little of Dallas Willard and his gentle rootedness and pastoral hospitality Reminds me of a mix between Brother Lawrence and St. John of the Cross. I spoke with Lacey from her home in Montrose, Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) We can't start off laughing, Lacey. This is just trouble.
0: <laughs> I think we have to start off laughing if we're talking about the book A Testament of Devotion.
1: <laughs> it is a rough Seriously. title.
0: It it's is a rough title and it's not even I don't know. I was thinking about it this time through and like, this is this actually what this book is about? I need to help Mr. Kelly here with his titling.
1: <laughs> I think I've heard of it under a different title. Is that really?
0: Accurate? I don't know.
1: Something divine. To, either way, we have a title. He needs I have a PR testament T- of devotion. Right. <laughs> <PRT>. <laughs> you Aww. mentioned to me some time ago that you read this yeah. book every year. What's that about? you you kinda of, kind of slow, Lacey? yes yeah,
0: yes, yes, that is true, that is true. um, I read almost every year for twelve years. um there's some years that I was like, mm, nope, not this year um but m- most most every year for twelve years, and I think it's a cu- kind of a couple things um one is it's a long conversation over time, like I need like a conversation partner around spiritual formation that I can keep returning to over and over and over again. It's, it's helping me kind of move into deeper waters and then also notice like how I'm shifting and changing. So kind of what was resonant Early on is different than what's resonant now, and it's a small book, so I can read it. <laughs> it doesn't take me like seventeen months to get through. So
1: I find it a slow read, not in oh, the sense that it's technical. I mean, it's deep, but I can't. I can't go quickly through it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that your mm-hmm. experience?
0: Oh, absolutely. And and okay, so this is just sort of um, physicality. Um, My obsession with all things kind of touchy is that it's the size that it fits in my pocket or in my whatever small bag I have with me. So (laughs) like I I went and got my COVID booster yesterday and the line was so long. So I just whipped it out and, you know, reading little bits of it while I'm waiting.
1: I hate to admit, Hmm. but I like I'm very partial to sizes of books. Like it it, really matters to me. The size, the feel like.
0: Me too. Oh, yeah. Me too. Richard's book, Sanctuary of the Soul, perfect size.
1: It is good. Mm-hmm. Perfect size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. So if how would you describe a testament devotion?
0: It's a grand vision of what is most real in the world. <laughs> A grand, yeah, yeah, it really casts a big vision for what is most real. And I think the piece about it that is also super helpful, it's not esoteric. So it's not like grand vision, which, which I love, transcendent, but it gets down into the particularities, especially the chapter like on holy obedience, which again, come on, Tom. We need a different title.
1: But it's earthy. Was that? Was,
0: oh yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like this beautiful vision, and right down to the particularities where, where your foot hits the soil, mm-hmm. how you treat the people you live with, how you embody God's presence in the world.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right.
0: what I like about it. Yeah. And every year, it's different, too.
1: What are the pieces this year that are ringing for you?
0: Well, I think the section on blessed community, the blessed community, um, are ringing true to me this year. Um, There's been a lot of grief around communities that I thought could hold and couldn't. And what, what does it mean? in 2022, to be a member of the blessed community. It can't mean tribalism. And it can't mean that I'm only with people that I agree with or have the same belief system or way of living it out in the world. It can't mean that. So for me, it's what does it look like to be a participating member in the blessed community.
1: What does that look like?
0: Well, that's what I was asking Tom here. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas (laughs) Kelly. He has this great quote. I'm going to see if I can find it. Yeah. He says in this section on blessed community, it's an encouraging word. It's almost like he's, again, he's casting a vision, but he's giving us a how around it. So he says, we find men, and he says men, but I know he means people. So we find people with chilly theologies. So I think about, you know, lots of my sisters and brothers in the world, their theology doesn't resonate warm with me. It's a little bit chilled. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then he says, but with glowing hearts. Hmm. So it, it's really, it's so it's so it's sticking with me, you know. Like, um, look, Lacey, and listen for the glowing heart in the person that is before you and lean towards that glow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what blessed community is.
1: As a spiritual director, how do you see people lean into that glow?
0: Can I read a poem from a different from a poet from a different author? <laughs>
1: Yes. I, I love it when I ask a question people don't know and they change the subject. Yes, yes go.
0: Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> this is called averting for anyone who is paying attention. Okay, so this is uh, it's a poem I'm living in this month, and it answers that question. And it's by David White, and it's called Start Close In. Start Close In don't take the second step or the third start with the first thing close in the step you don't want to take start with the ground you know the pale ground beneath your feet your own way to begin the conversation start with your own question give up on other people's questions Don't let them smother something simple. To hear another's voice, follow your own voice. And wait until that voice becomes an intimate, private ear that can really listen to another. Start right now. Take a small step you can call your own. Don't follow someone else's heroics. Be humble and focused, start close in. Don't mistake that other for your own. So how, how do I notice maybe in my friends, you know, the people that I sit with in direction, maybe in my own life to listen for that glow of the one in front of us i think it's about starting close in and listening to the glow within us the, our own our own voice so that we we sort of learn the process of noticing the glow of the other by noticing the glow within us
1: it's interesting cuz i mean that poem obviously it's someone else it sounds very thomas kelly to me <laughs> 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 Doesn't
0: it? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like David White. You're speaking. You're speaking.
1: Yeah. yeah they must be friends. Yeah, must. And, and Thomas talks a lot about in the beginning parts, right? The light within for Quaker. Yes. Can, can you talk a little about what he means with that?
0: This is like the most famous quote um, from this book. I think it's probably quoted everywhere, but I think it kind of answers that question. That eternity is at our hearts, pressing upon our time torn lives, warming us with intimations of astounding destiny, calling us home unto itself. So that, that light within is home, is, um, that of God in me, that of God in you. And how do we cooperate? Um, and become awake to that—that that which is the ground of reality, alive and well in us.
1: The spirit within, mm. cultivating that presence, mm. seeing that in others. Mm-hmm. How has this book influenced your life? Hmm.
0: I think one way it has is it's helped me to bear witness to my own transformation over the last 12 years. So the whole chapter on holy obedience, um, which is the only one with subtitles, by the way, I was like, come on, my editor wouldn't let me get away with that. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, (laughs) that whole chapter on holy obedience early on in my life, um, Kelly uses a lot of like perfection language, like we're working towards perfection, and, and God is bringing about perfection. And that language was the language of my childhood, of my childhood spiritual home. And I'm at a place in my life now where when I hear the word perfection, I think more about wholeness. It's not really a return to innocence it's a development of character and with that has a bit of grief to it for sure
1: how so what's the grief
0: well i think there are some pains you know this side of eternity that may remain unhealed and it's not that the spirit is not at work it's not that God is absent. It is more like we are learning to walk with Christ through seasons of sorrow. So, holy obedience is not a return to innocence, which doesn't exist anymore. It's instead, and for me, this is so hopeful, I was recently working on my spiritual autobiography. I know, quite a document, and horrifyingly wonderful. And, and explain I,
1: what is a spiritual <laughs> autobiography?
0: Yeah, people? it's where it's sort of I look back through my life, and I follow the thread of how um, I have grown in relationship with God over time, and all the stuff that's woven within that. And one of the things that I've noticed about God and how I have engaged with God over time is God as Redeemer. God is so very near to me and present to me as Redeemer, taking very hard things and sorrows and showing me what God can do with that and that there's really no waste. So that holy obedience piece is not about restoring innocence. It's about what God does when innocence is lost.
1: Wholeness and brokenness? In
0: wholeness and brokenness and healing. So I think I had, yeah, this time around, this reading of the chapter on holy obedience, I like, and I mark all in my book, Like it's got all these notes and stuff. I marked through the word perfection and wrote wholeness 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 and who knows maybe in three years our circle back around and all right uh, okay now we're back to perfection so yeah maybe we'll, you'll get there yeah, yeah, yeah it's possible uh, I, I, yeah so i sort of like that like i have this this history um yeah, early on you know um kelly uses a lot of language Um, I grew up again in a particular tradition that you were God, Jesus, and the Holy spirit. That was it. All, all the names for God. Thanks for playing. But, you know, he says, you know, eternal internal, um, that's one he, he says eternal now, um, divine presence. So the first time I read this as a, Coming from a particular tradition, I was like, what is he doing? Some <laughs> editor did not help him with his capitalizations.
1: <laughs> but he, but, he's very Christocentric.
0: Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And he's helping us to really see the expansiveness of God's presence, how God is really present to us using language, how God is in the universe and the world and active using language. Um, so now, you know, at a uh, o- as an older human um, on this journey of life, um, it's it resonates with me, and I enjoy it, and it gives me an imagination for what God is doing. That is so much larger than the categories I really want to, you know, box God into.
1: Imagination—that was a word. That came to mind. It reminds me a little of sometimes you read a book and it it, this expanse of, oh, right, we can become like that. Like, oh, (laughs) the well goes deeper. I'm, I'm in. I I want that.
0: Yes. Yes, yes. And like he he gives us, and again, kind of that practical thing in the chapter on holy obedience was he gives us kind of some gateways, like steps, and they're like you need a vision. So for hope, to follow Christ into holy obedience, you need a vision. And then you'll be invited to step. So it's at that place of contemplation and action, to step. And then he invites us to reflect and re-step, and then to rest. I love that movement, to vision, step, re-step, rest. Yeah, I think I can hang a life on that.
1: He reminds me a little that his insights that are just moving like Dallas. But there's this kind of tender, mystical side to him, poetic almost. Is that, what do you think? Does that fit?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely, he's definitely um, got kind of, even like a little uh, Julian Norwich sort of way of describing um, God and what God is up to in the world. Yeah, he, you know, again, with language, particularly inner, inner life. And he, he, he does this kind of dance. Again, the contemplation, um, in action. He has a chapter called, um, Eternal Now and Social Concern. I mean, again, (laughs) someone help this point human <laughs> not really this it's a, that's a great title actually because it's the it eternal is. now so we have this contemplative reality the reality capital R and then social concern okay what does it look like to live it out and let's kind of go back to Dallas in renovation of the heart what does it look to live it out in your social context I think it's Trevor Hudson who often says that we have a personal spirituality we have a personal relationship with God but we do not have a private.
1: Right, right.
0: There is no private spirituality. And Kelly's he's leaning hard in here and helping us to understand that an inner life and outward concern are one. Inner, inner life, and life and outward, outward concern. concern are one.
1: Right. When we bifurcate the two, we're it's not wholeness, huh?
0: <laughs> right. Well, right, right. When we bifurcate the two, it's not wholeness. That's a good word
1: your care and concern for little people how has thomas spoken into into that
0: gosh in so many ways um i'd love to oh gosh i'm just thumbing through the pages and i this time around i also circled the stuff with green there's one quote i'd love to
1: read you do different colors when you read it so that you can tell that yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it looks like a box of crayons Pooped all over my book but
1: anyway that, I mean that's the practice of returning to book and, and is the same with scripture and then you see oh I underline this is my favorite I see something I underline and I'm like oh I've been saying that for years I didn't know where I got it right <laughs> <laughs> those are my like I really learned it it worked itself in there and I'm a thief I took it yeah, from so, Thomas that's Kelly that's,
0: that's exactly <laughs> right That that is so true so this is on the first chapter called the light within there are several quotes and kelly alluding to the simplicity and humility of children throughout it which resonates a lot with me in terms of kind of welcoming our own childhood selves and and how do we welcome children and not choke out that shekinah of glory that they are born with and so he says in the chapter light within the strong man must become the little child, not understanding, but trusting the Father. Not understanding, but trusting the Father.
1: Let's become like little children, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the chapter on Holy Obedience, he says, will you be wise enough and humble enough to be Little fools of God. (laughs) So we're releasing releasing our adult pretense.
1: It's an invitation to become a little fool. To become
0: a little little fool of God. Love that. Of God. A little fool of God.
1: Oh, this Hmm. reminds me. You have a children's book.
0: I do. coming out I, yeah
1: can i ask you about it
0: yes yes and i think it, it goes back to um trusting the father so it's a book uh, it's called all will be well and uh it's a book about a little girl named julian and her relationship it's clever Julie.
1: i see Cla- that I, yeah, yeah i think that up all well by too.
0: myself <laughs> <really>. <laughs> um and She's walking her grandmother through the valley of the shadow of death, and her grandmother dies. And it makes space, the the book itself makes space for Julian to have those conversations with God that even children have around, can I trust you with my big feelings, with my grief and my loss? And so Julian, you know, kind of harkens back to Julian of Norwich, who she's named after. And she's leaning in hard, you know, to that question, can you be trusted, God? Can you be trusted? And and she finds that God can be trusted, that all will be well, that um, one of the things... That Mima, the grandmother, says to her, when you don't see me anymore, I will be where God is. And because God loves you and God loves me, all will be well. That that, that ground of, you know, we're not saying all will be well without any grounding. That grounding is love itself. And in the story, Julian is loved by God loved by her mother, loved by nature. Nature plays a role in this in many ways. One, there's a tree that hurls hazelnuts at her as a reminder of love. Another is a dog that really is, um, I asked the illustrator to put a dog in each picture to mirror how the spirit is with us in seasons of grief. And Rebecca Evans did a terrific job.
1: You got to read this with the pictures to a group of us. And yeah. it was what well, was so fun because we all got on a bunch of us got on the floor, right? Like <laughs>
0: <Yeah. and>
1: there's <laughs> a lot was- of tears in that room. I take issue with books being categorized as children's books. Oh, totally. Do you do the same? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why?
0: Well, because I think we all we can see pictures and use words. <laughs> and we have this, so, so it's all it's really for all of us. Um, we all, you know, the great theologian Carl Reiner said, you know, this distinction between childhood and adolescence is really a false distinction because we're bringing with us into the life we're living now our childhood self, our sadly, our middle school selves, just kidding, but um, our adolescent selves, our young adult selves, and that's all so present here. So, children's books. The one thing I love about children's books, like if I could just write them all the time, I would because they're that place. You never read a children's book next to someone that you didn't touch them. You know?
1: Oh, interesting.
0: So it's like very physical. You're looking, you're letting your gaze rest on something at the same time. Um, and you're reading words and having an emotional experience together, together. It's very powerful. Um, I, I just read my children's book with a friend of mine, Regina Moon, and I I just couldn't stop putting my arm around her while she was reading it. <laughs> she was okay with that. But I it, it just drew us both together, and uh, it, it's just a lovely—I love children's books. In fact, maybe what we need is for an illustrator to illustrate a testament of devotion.
1: <laughs> maybe
0: that's what we need.
1: I think that'd be great. Yes. Tell us the name of your book.
0: All Will Be Well, Learning to Trust God's Love.
1: Yes. I'm so eager to have it. (laughs) Lacey, thank you. Just a joy as as always.
0: Uh, Can we close with um, words from our friend, Thomas Kelly? Absolutely. It's the very last paragraph. And from the fantastic chapter, which I, I still need to read it one more time this year, The Simplification of Life, The Simplification of Life, he ends it this way. Life from the center is a life of unhurried peace and power. It is simple. It is serene. It is amazing. It is triumphant. It is radiant. It takes no time, but occupies all our time. It's a fabulous line.
1: God, (laughs) it's so good.
0: And it makes our life programs new and overcoming. We need not get frantic. God is at the helm. And when our little day is done, we lie down quietly in peace, for all is well.
1: And that was Lacey Borgo talking about Thomas Kelly's A Testament of Devotion. Lacey referenced her new book. It's titled All Will Be Well, Learning to Trust God's Love. She's also written a book titled Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God and Each Other. You can visit Lacey's website at gooddirtministries.org. That's gooddirtministries.org. We've had Lacey on the podcast a number of times. A couple of episodes of note would be 42, Helping Children Enter Into Life With God, 89, Three Things Every Child Needs, Episode 170, Meeting Jesus in the Marginalized, and Episode 198, Holding Center. You can find a link to these episodes, as well as others I've done with Lacey, in the podcast show notes. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. I'm grateful for all of you who helped make this work possible. You can support Renovare and this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovareorg donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort, offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars online classes as well as information on events in our institute on our website at renovare.org this podcast is produced by brian Moricon, who also wrote the opening song titled be kind and until next time be well friends be well